Hey listeners, are you enjoying our podcasts and coaching advice? Do you feel like some guidance and accountability could help you stay motivated and focused during these uncertain pandemic times? We love connecting with our listeners and collaborating to make training work for your goals, your life, your personality. As a thank you for listening to our podcast, we want to offer any new clients $20 off the first month of coaching, which is normally $150. Email us at Julie and Lisa at runfartherandfaster.com to set up a time to connect over the phone to learn more. And be sure to mention this special offer as one of our loyal listeners. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Julie. So full disclosure, we are sitting outside together recording. This is our first time we've recorded one together in over six months. Yes. Yeah. It's really nice to be able to look at you personally versus on a Zoom. I I totally agree. And we're outside on a beautiful day. Yes. So there may be a little background noise in this recording, so we apologize, listeners, but I had to come over to Lisa's to record personally because Lisa did something incredible yesterday and we wanted to recap it today. So Lisa, why don't you share with everyone what went down yesterday, well, September 13th. The, the, real, the real reason we're actually together is that um, our kids are all on Zoom in our houses <laughs> for virtual school and we were afraid that our internet connection would be really cruddy on Zoom with like, uh, you know, five kids between the two of us Zooming from our houses. So that's why we're, but also bonus that we get to like hang out, but that's. yeah, I mean the other alternative is to separately sit in our closets and talk into the phone and that just is so unappealing. Yeah. No, so this, this is, is so, so much, much better. better. It's a great idea. So anyway, yeah. Um, thanks to you, you're, you're like kind of the origin of all of this Oh. about, a, well, a few weeks ago, I don't remember when it was, maybe two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you sent me a text That's right. and said, look, this, there's this, this race is happening and it's a really interesting story. Um, you know, first I should back up and say I, I had so much ambivalence about Boston. I wanted to do it. I wanted to keep up my streak. This is my uh, 13th consecutive Boston, but 17th overall. And I really just wanted to have it have it done. But I've been very indifferent and ambivalent, first of all, about training. I've had a hard time getting motivated this summer to train. Um, definitely doing long runs was not something that appealed to me. So I did one 15 mile and one 16 mile long run. I supplemented with a lot of cycling as I've talked about, but I, as, as the race day got closer, I really was so, it was so hard to not have something on the calendar that's set for you. So you have, you know, uh, we had like a nine day period where we could do it and, and the possibilities were endless. Like what day would I do it? What time would I do it? Where would I do it? What would my route look like? Would it just be some loops by my house so I could pick up stuff? Who would support me? It was it was so I went back and forth so many times of you know what I'm just gonna go out and just set out some water and do it myself. And it meaning the virtual yeah, Boston sorry, marathon. The virtual Boston marathon. Mm-hmm. Like how am I gonna get this done? Um, I went. I thought about going to the beach. I had so many nice friends and you know you included reach out and say what can we do to support you? Let's we want to be there to cheer you on and we want to be able to support you. And I just I think I was so indecisive about how to do it that it was it was. I, I, like I said, it was ambivalent. And when you sent me that, I, the first thing I did was send it to some of our, our runners who I know were really hoping to have a race. So when you sent it to me, I should give some background. Um, it, it was a small race put on by a race director in, uh, in a city north of Pittsburgh, Grove City, Pennsylvania, um, S. Mark Courtney, who um, 
is also a very, very accomplished runner. He has run Boston, I think, 41 times, or this was his 41st time. He won his age group um, back several years ago and for age 50. He has a run streak of, like, it's up to, like, 15,000 days now. I think he's run straight for, I think it's 40 years. He's this amazing guy. But he happens to be a race director, so I guess what he decided was... Oh, and P.S., we are trying to get him on our podcast. Yes, yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> we just wrote to him. He's been so responsive. He's amazing, and I'll talk about that a little bit more, but um, you know, he decided to get a race, get a course certified near his home, which was five loops around a lake, Lake Latonka in Mercer, Pennsylvania, and um, get this course certified, put out some timing mats and invite some people to come run with him and socially distanced, you know, um, keep it very small, require people to wear masks at the start and finish. And if you can't socially distance, but uh, and, and I first forwarded to some of our runners who I thought would really like to have a, oh, he, I'm sorry, it was to say he was working on getting the course certified. So it wasn't officially certified yet. But I forwarded it to some of our runners with the hopes that it would become certified. And three of them immediately said, I, I want to do this. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll go do it too. Here's a race that has a set date, a set time. It's somewhere different. Um, it's loops, which I like. And it would give me something to look forward to. So I... I signed up and I still wavered back and forth. I still said, I still gave myself permission that if the weather didn't look good or I changed my mind, I could still just go out and run it here, just knock it out and get it done. So as the date got closer and I noticed that the weather was not looking so great, it was not cold, but it was going to be rainy. It was the one rainy day on the calendar for the nine days that we could run this marathon. It was the one rainy day. And you know, I hate cold rain, but warm rain, you know, I, I thought about this interestingly enough, when I did the Marine Corps Marathon 50K last year, same exact temperature, same exact weather. So I thought back to that and I said, I made it through that. You know, I've committed to this. I could again, I couldn't, couldn't get myself motivated and organized to just get it done here. So I thought, I'm just going to go do this. So um, first I should say that uh, Mark's communications to the runners were fabulous. He was like the most communicative race director I've ever worked with. He answered questions right away. He was constantly sending us information. As soon as the course was officially certified, he sent that out to everybody. He, uh, he organized a hotel block, made sure we all had late checkout, delivered the race packets, which were a really cute um, hooded long sleeve shirt and our bib numbers and some coupons for food and, and instructions and lists of hotel, of, of local restaurants to our directly to our hotel so that when we got there we could literally just check in and they gave it to us as we checked in so he's such a great organized communicative race director leading up to the race and um i i drove up on saturday kept checking the weather still lots of rain in the forecast for sunday morning which is apropos because number one it's 2020 of course and number two you were running your 13th consecutive boston on the 13th oh, of the month julie you're <laughs> right i didn't think about that i didn't want i didn't want to bring any of that to your attention oh i'm glad <laughs> you didn't that would have psyched me out but yeah i just kept saying to myself well first of all the weather forecasts are never exactly right and even if it does rain, it's warm. And you know what, just again, I kept just telling myself, just go get it done. At this point, it's been so long. We've been dragging this out for a long time. I, I just wanted my shirt and my medal and my 17th race checked off and uh, drove up to Pittsburgh. Very easy drive, no traffic, checked into the hotel, met up with a couple of our, our runners there, ended up eating dinner outside with one of our runners. 
um, Jane, who was there as well. And uh, it was it was lovely. And I, you know, I was concerned um, about COVID. That was a, a concern of mine, the travel and staying in a hotel. Um, but I checked everything out ahead of time and brought my N95 mask with me, thanks to my friend Melissa, who supplied me with an N95 mask and brought that with me. What did you do for food? Great question, Julie. <laughs> so Julie knows, well, a couple things. First of all, Julie knows that my pre-race meal, my go-to meal is sushi and candy. And the day before I left, Julie dropped a special delivery off to my door, which honestly, we have to put a picture up of it. It was the sweetest, cutest thing I've ever seen. It was a Boston Marathon theme goodie box of candy. It's gone. It's demolished. I ate like a, a little bit of it that day. Damn it. I, I'm just going to ask you for no, some now that I'm in your house. Literally, I, I think I honestly maybe have one thing left in that box right now, but it was so cute. You have to, it was Boston themed, adorable, and made me so happy too, and excited about the race. Because again, I was ambivalent. And when you sent me that and left that for me, it got me excited. So thank you for that. And not only did you do that, but you, I, you said to me, are you going to have sushi? And I said, I'm, I'm, where am I going to find sushi in like, you know, Grove City, Pennsylvania? I don't know anything about good sushi places there. And you sent me a link to a place that had great five-star reviews on Yelp that happened to be like four miles from my hotel. And I thought, well, we'll see what's there when I get there. When I got there and looked around local to the hotel, there really wasn't anything that appealed to me too much. And so I went to the sushi place and they were super COVID cautious. They've actually almost closed their restaurant. They have a plastic um, shield at the front that you, you go up to and you slip the receipt. They sort of slip the receipt to you. You slip it, you put it in a bowl. You don't even, there's like no contact and they slide your food through to you in a, in a brown paper bag. So <laughs> it was very interesting, but it was great sushi. So I awesome. had my, I got my traditional, I, I had, I had my box of goodies. So I had my sushi outside at the pool with Jane. And then I went in and sat in my room and ate my, <laughs> sat with my goodie box of, of food, of candy. And I had that and I kept checking the weather too. Just when is the rain gonna start in the morning? That was the big question. Um, and uh, you know, I woke up on Sunday morning and looked immediately at my weather app and, and the rain wasn't going to start until about eight, which the race started at seven. So I thought, oh good, at least maybe we can start in, uh, in the dry weather. And I look out my window and of course, you know, apropos of like weather apps, it's raining outside my window. I'm like, what? So it was fine though. It was a very light rain. Um, I, did you wear a trash bag in the start corral? Well, I did <laughs> the start corral. That's funny that you say start corral. <laughs> so I should explain that um, uh, Mark had opened this to 70 runners. He was gonna limit it to 70 runners and only 30 registered. So, which is very interesting to me. I don't know if it's a matter of people had their plans already, they didn't want to travel, they are still worried about COVID. You know, I, I don't know why, but there were 30 registered runners. So it was it was a very small, um, there, was, there was no starting corral, so to speak, but I will say I was so impressed with what it looked like. So the morning of the race, I, I drove to the race site and he left us very specific directions, wonderful you know, race packet with directions of how to get to the start. It was hard to see because it was dark out and it was raining, so it was a little hard to navigate, but found the community center, ended up parking right next to one of our runners who was there to run as well, and our other two runners arrived shortly there, or one was there already. We all, we all ended up meeting up. So there were 30 runners total? There were 30 registered. I think there were 26 that finished. Uh, okay, so 20, that's so cool, 26 runners. Yeah. And in 26, all these fun two runner. Right. Maybe somebody only did one loop. And four of those runners were ours, you and three others. Yeah. (laughs) What's that percentage that, you know, like almost a sixth of of, of all the runners there were run farther and faster runners. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, it was drizzling a little bit when we got there. Um, But nothing, I actually didn't even take my trash bag out of the car. I just figured I'll just go 
you know, straight to the head. They had a big gazebo near the start that some people were kind of hanging out under. Um, so I did that, but then I realized it really, at the, at the start, it was misting very lightly. So I did a light warm up with one of our runners. We just did a little, you know, two minute jog up and down the start. And it really was just a start line, which was the Boston start line. He had replicated and, and put out on the, on the ground and some cones and that that was it so really as you know as it got to be seven o'clock everyone kind of moseyed over did everyone have on masks at the start was that his rule it was his rule Uh i will say not everybody had theirs on but they were standing socially distant no one was trying to congregate but they were standing off to the side and it was a very um weird start because we were all kind of just hanging around six feet apart from each other and then he said all right let's go and they, you know, they started the timing and off, off we went. And did you have timing chips on, uh, like, was it uh, yeah, old yep. school bib timing? Bib timing. So mo- everybody a bib. With modern the- timing technology. Oh, yeah. This, so, so he, Amazing. He, he owns a, a race timing company. Race hot, run high. Run high. Yep. And, and they actually, they've helped with Boston Marathon timing chips in the past. They're very experienced at putting on races. So, you know, he had bibs printed specifically for this race with the timing on the back, just normal, like, you know, same thing. And what was really nice is that, um, so I should explain the course. So the course started, it's a 5.2 mile loop around the lake. Um, so in order, if you do five times 5.2, you get 26 miles. So to get that extra 0.2, we did one little extra loop around the gazebo at the very beginning. Um, and so once, but so you did that little loop around the gazebo. And then once you got on the main course around the lake, there were a timing mats or timing devices every mile. So eventually, I haven't looked at the results, and I mean, I saw the general results, but eventually we could have all of our miles splits if we wanted to, um, which didn't sync with our Garmin's, interestingly, because of that extra point two at the beginning. Um, it actually was a little bit off, but they were still every mile. So if it was like 1.35 was the first one, the next one was 2.35, you know, on my watch. Um, so that did make it a little confusing if you're watching the mile markers on the course and on your watch, I just stuck to my watch this time, which normally we tell people to stick to the mile markers. I stuck to my watch because I couldn't calculate in my head with that extra loop at the beginning, oh, yeah. like what it, what it meant. So I, I kind of kept an eye on my watch, but we went onto the, um, onto the course and it was this 5.2 mile loop around the lake. Now, um, I had the impression that it was very flat around the lake. It was not entirely flat. It was some very slow, gradual up, some very slow, gradual down. And then it went to a, um, at the end of the kind of the bottom of the loop, it went onto a bike path that cut through part of the community. And that was kind of a steeper downhill with a water station sort of at the bottom or as it started coming back up. And then a very steep but short hill, like one of those hills you've got to like really chug up and where, you know, you look at your watch and you're doing much slower than your, than your race pace. But it was short. It was maybe... I would say maybe two tenths of a mile. I don't even I don't even know if it was that much. It was pretty short, but it did. Um, if you weren't careful, it could you know you got to the top of it and you feel pretty sapped, and it could take away your your momentum. Um, and and that was something I noticed on the first loop was like okay I got to take this pretty easy every time I do it or else I'm gonna burn through my energy on this hill and then not be able to get back into my rhythm once I got to the top. So um, yeah, so the first lap was sort of um, reconnaissance, just figuring out like, what is this? And I will say it was, had started raining a little harder and throughout the morning it would either mist, rain lightly, downpour, stop a little. It was like back and forth between everything. So one minute we may be in no rain and then the next minute like a downpour with the wind coming off the lake. 
And you would just know, though, that if you gave it five minutes, it would change. It sounds like Boston. It, it, well, you know what it, sound, what it was exactly like was Marine Corps Marathon last year. It was, like I mentioned, I had looked at my uh, race from last year, and it was exactly the same temperature and exactly the same conditions. Huh. So it was very, um, it was humid, too, which I think challenged. I heard some people talking after the race that the humidity was hard for them, and I, I agree. It was definitely humid. So it certainly was not cold at all. Uh, but the, the rain, when it picked up really heavy, was definitely, you know, that was mentally and a little bit physically challenging, but it would pass. And you would just know that if I hold out for five minutes or 10 minutes, it'll go back to a light rain or no rain at all. And what was so lovely was that all of the, um, com- the community came out, a lot of people came out of their houses or even sat in their garages and were cheering the runners on. So even though there weren't a ton of runners out on the course, you still had that sense that you were in a race because there were people cheering you on some of the one one house in particular set up a whole party zone outside their house and it had a sign outside that said shortcut to the bloody marys so so cute they were clearly every time i went by they were a little and a little more a little a little louder every time a little more drunk a little more drunk a little louder every time i went by and the touches on the course were so so great there was a sitgo sign oh there was a heartbreak hill sign at the hill coming out of the Mm. bike path there was there were the start and finish lines and at the turn to come to the finish because you kind of had to turn off the loop to come to the finish there was a Hereford and Boylston cross oh, street love sign. that so so many cute um really sweet touches that made it feel even though we couldn't be in Boston it reminded you that that's what we were there for so um so yeah when I started out I was never really within six feet of anybody when I started out there was a group that kind of went off the front pretty fast that I knew was not <laughs> was not where I wanted to be and then I kind of hung in where I could hear some runners talking behind me. So maybe they were 50 feet behind me. I could hear them and they were behind me for probably most of the first, most of the first loop. And I was telling you before that it reminded me of you and me because it was two women that were chit-chatting away the whole time. And I was thinking they can be chit-chatting this easily. They are certainly going to pass me at some point, but it reminded me every time we run together, people are like, you talk too much. And uh, these two women were very lovely and they weren't, you know, talking about anything bad, but it was, they were chit-chatting away. And I was like, oh my gosh. And about, um, almost through the first lap, they caught up to me and we had a very nice conversation. Um, you know about our Boston marathons and they were local runners who were friends with the race director and uh, they kind of moved ahead of me eventually and the two of them ended up winning the race together holding hands which I thought was very very sweet so they they clearly went ahead of me and I, I didn't see them they ended up finishing about five minutes ahead of me so eventually they were out of my sight was it hard for you to, you said the first loop was reconnaissance and you also mentioned that your training was not what normally your marathon training is, but we, we both know you had the endurance to run the marathon. You just probably were not sure about your pacing. So given that, what did you do to assess what, um, how, sort of what to do to lock in your pace? Because there were a lot of variables, yeah. weather, rain, yeah. and also you not knowing what's going to happen yes. at the end of the Yeah, that was yeah. my big fear was that I could yeah. feel good for the first 15 miles and then I would fall apart because I didn't have the endurance. And it's really funny you ask that because, again, I always have this in my head. I had in my head what you had told me before I left and you had told me what you thought my finish time was and where you thought I was going to lock in. You say, I'll bet you lock into about 745s. <laughs> and uh, Julie, I swear, that's where I locked into right between 740 and 745 for the first many loops and I have to tell you this was my most evenly paced race I went through on my watch at the half 139 something and I finished in 340 oh sorry 320 320 yeah Yeah, that's perfect so it was like and every time I hit my splits I kept thinking Julie said 745 
I just did 740. I just did 742. I just did 747. Julie said 745. That's what I'm locking into. So I don't know if you just said it in my head or that's really what I was. That's, Gosh, that's a good experiment. Next time I'll say 730. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's going to be too much pressure. But it just made me think like that's probably a good, a good place to start and mm-hmm. see where I feel. And I felt good. And I have to say I felt the last lap of the race, I felt like I could pick it up. Like I felt, you know, normally in a race, even my best races when I've felt good, those last four or five miles, I just start aching and the, and you just start slowing down. You can't do anything about it. And you just feel like you're working harder. And, and it's just like, you're counting down the miles. I didn't feel like that this time. I felt like I could pick it up. I can, I looked at my last two tenths of a mile. Those were like seven ten. So just that last split on my watch was like was was faster. I, I really felt like I could, I could pick it up. So um, I, I, you know, I don't know if that was. I think that was a pacing thing. I think that was even pacing. I think you ran a a, a really beautiful race. I think you you've always mentioned how much and and I I do too enjoy loops because of the predictability. Right. And um, I also, you know, look, this is your 13th Boston, your 17th, I'm sorry, your 13th consecutive Boston, your 17th Boston, and um, how many marathons is this for you total? I think it's over 40 now. Okay. You know your body. Right. And I think that the fact that you trust that you know your body, you don't need to go into a race with a real specific plan other than my plan is to know my body and trust myself, which is exactly what you did. That's true. And and Leslie, one of our runners was asking, she had all her times written on her arms. She said, you don't have anything written on your arms. I said, that's because a, I don't, you know, have a particular goal for this race. I just want to finish it. I didn't know. I went in honestly in my head and I had told you this last week I went in my head saying 330 would be like reasonable like that I'll be happy with that that's that's good like you know I'm good with that and then I thought well even under four like then it could be just like a training run and then I thought well maybe I could do closer to 320 like if I pushed a little so I didn't I didn't know what my plan was and and so I told Leslie I said that's because I don't really know I'm just gonna go listen to my body and start out um you know start out what feels comfortable and see what that feels like and like you said the reconnaissance on the first lap is this something that I'm going to be able to do on future laps like where am I going to run into the where am I going to have to slow down where can I pick it up a little bit and I could tell each lap you know where the wind was at my back and where I could pick it up a little bit and I knew in every lap that I did that particular mile on the course was fastest like was that was like the little bit faster than the other one so it really I knew where that was so yeah so I, I think you're exactly right especially going into this not needing a certain time like I didn't have didn't need a certain time I just wanted to get it done I had that flexibility of being able to say let me just listen and see what my body feels like and I really still even after lap three I was like all right this is where we're gonna see what my endurance is really like because now I'm at mile 16 and like what's it gonna feel like in the last two laps when I haven't run anything longer this is my I remember thinking on the going on to the third lap all right this is my longest run I've done since January like since the marathon I did in January I said this is the longest run now how am I going to feel? And when I felt pretty good and could sustain that, you know, and drop to like 7.45 to 7.50 at that point. But when I started being able to sustain that and pick it up on that mile that I knew was faster and like when I could keep in that same rhythm, then I felt like pretty good. So, um, yeah. So when I stuck to my, my, uh, you know, my gels, my, my chews, my honey stinger chews, very, which was nice about this course because there were two water stops. There was the begin, the start finish area and then 2.5 miles in halfway around the loop, there was another one. So 10 water stops total. 10 water stops total. I think that's right. Yeah. And, um, and what was great was I knew where they were 
and I knew when they exactly when they were coming. So before each one, I would pull out my chews and pop a bunch of chews in my mouth. I'd get some water. I'd run through it. I'd pop a few more chews in my mouth, and I'd go. And I, I did that every two and a half miles. So that's more frequent. And I even took – I didn't take the first ones till the first – like after the first water stop. So I had taken those maybe at mile four or closer to five. But after that, every 2.5 miles, I took about half of the bag that I had in my hand for that hour. So you definitely ate about 60 chews by the time the race was over. I think it was four packs of, yeah, the, yeah that's, I guess that's, yeah. it was a lot of chews. Mm-hmm. But, but, it, but the nice thing with the chews is I could take out a couple, chew them, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I ate them a little bit more spread out. But it, it helped me with my timing, knowing that here comes the water station, I want to take out my bag, I want to, and I did, I felt steady energy the whole way. At one point I remembered thinking, I felt my energy drop a little. It was like midway through towards a water stop. So I took some out and took some. But other than that, I felt really steady and liked having that. You know, on other courses, you know about where the water stops are, but you don't know exactly. You know, you're like, oh, it's going to be at mile 13.1, but is it going to be at the next corner? Is it going to be here? Do I have to take out my I knew exactly where they were going to be. And I knew, okay, when I get on the bike path, now the water stations, you know, a minute ahead of me, I'm going to start taking my chews now. And it, it just also reminded me every time. You know, I didn't forget I knew this is where I take out my baggie and I start taking some of my chews. So I felt like that worked really well. And did you take salt tabs as well? I took one the night before with dinner and I took one the morning of. I did not. I actually realized when I left my hotel room that I had left my bottle in my hotel room. Rookie mistake. I know. But, you know, but also I realized it wasn't super, super hot and humid. And I did. I was like, oh, no, do I need to like go back and get, you know, one, one or two tabs to take on the run? And I just figured, you know what, I took one last night, I took one this morning, um, I think I'll be all right. And I felt fine. Like, I actually didn't have a headache yesterday after the race. Like, I normally, a lot of times I get a headache after a big race or a long race. Didn't feel anything, like, you know, so I think I was okay. I think it was cool enough. Um, It was 65, 68, pretty much. Maybe got up to 70 with the rain. And um, so I, I don't feel like... It was one of those really hot days when I needed it as badly, but it was it was great. And then I I finished, and what was interesting was um, I finished and went through the finish line, and my watch said twenty six point one six. So I wanted to make sure my watch said twenty six point two for uploading it to the Boston site. And and the race race um, volunteers were saying they're like, well, but our course is certified, so you just have to upload the results. And I said, you know what I wanted in my watch. So I ran through the finish line and told them they were like, great job, great job. And I'm like. I have 0.04 to go. I'll be back. And I ran into the parking lot towards my car, actually. I ran to the parking lot and then stopped my watch. And this sweet volunteer, this woman, came running after me with a bag filled with goodies and said, I didn't want to lose you. You ran right through. And you were the first master's finisher, which, again, was congratulations only by virtue of the two women who passed me were were masters. And they took first and second, which was nice. So I think I was the fourth woman overall out of maybe, I don't know how many women there were. you know, 14 women or 11 women or something. Um, but, uh, but she was so sweet and she came with this beautiful bag. I don't have it out here, but it's, um, a cooler bag to use for food and a blanket in it and, you know, water and food. And, um, and, and she was, I have to say the volunteers of this race were plentiful. I think they had enough volunteers to run a small, you know, thousand person race. Like it was just as many volunteers as you'd see at one of the bigger races. Um, such lovely volunteers, people, riding around the course on golf carts and on bikes and people checking in with you. And it was just, and, and because we went through the water station so many times, they would recognize you. What, and, what and, did that look like with water stations? How did they, question. yeah, how did they give you water and all that? So they had at each water station, um, they had volunteers handing them out. There were cups with 
with um, Gatorade and there were cups with water, but they also had the option for you to take a closed water bottle. If you didn't feel comfortable taking, they had some closed water bottles. You could just say, I want a water bottle and they'd hand you a water bottle. All the volunteers had on masks and gloves and they just had everything set out on a table. And as you'd come up, you know, I think they started learning after um, the couple laps that I was, I didn't want Gatorade, I wanted water. Cause like, I think on the third lap, one of those volunteer tables, like the, the Gatorade people didn't even pick it up off the table. It was the water people did and gave it to me. So they knew, but if I had wanted just a water bottle that no one, you know, not an open cup, I could have taken one of those. I just, I didn't need it. They put a lot of water in the cup and I was able to drink it. And then they had a trash can, you know, 50 feet down that you could toss it in. Um, they did give out gels at one of the loops, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. They did have, they did, they had gels that they were handing out, I think on the th third or fourth loop. So the volunteers were, were just amazing and um, really made all the runners feel really special. It was, it was, it was great. It was such a nice race. So after I finished, I um, went and dropped things off quickly in my car and I texted you and Buster's with us outside. Hey Buster. <laughs> Buster's been so good until now. He's starting getting a little antsy. Say Buster, say a Buster. <laughs> he wants to recap the story too. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, so I went back to go watch for our runners to finish and uh, one of our runners, Jane, uh, you know, I, we had estimated a time of about 3.40. And I went back out on the course at about 3.35 to look for her. And I was, you know, just starting to keep an eye out. And I saw somebody running toward me. And I thought, well, that can't be her yet. That's, you know, another, she's got probably another five minutes before she finished. And it was Jane. It's amazing it was such, what I Jane was like, did. She was I was like caught in the headlights. I'm like, Jane, where did you come from? And Jane, Jane is some, of schedule. Jane is someone who she's 51 years old. She's been running for years. She's been running marathons for years, and she's a terrific runner. She just needed a little bit of change and a little bit of challenge that she hadn't done before. Well, so what she real Jane really needed, you know, I look back at Jane's, um, and she knows this. I've talked to her about. It. I look back at her her marathons, her recent marathons, because her shorter distance races would indicate she could run much faster than her marathons that she's ever run. Her her marathon PR, I think, was a 3.44. Um, and, uh, and, and she's a very experienced runner, run Boston, wonderful runner, just great person, great attitude. And I look back at her at her marathon times, and I thought I was expecting to see her go out too fast and crash at the end, and they weren't. They were all just slow, steady runs. And I asked her, I said, why? Well, you know, you, you could have run faster than she said. I've always been afraid to push out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, we also, she was somebody who we had to encourage to slow down on some of her long, you know, on some of her easy runs and, and really help her dial in her pacing on her training. But, um, uh, you know, I gave her a pacing plan for 340, which is what I thought would be even conservative for her. And um, she finished in 336. And when she finished, I said, look, you, you did it. And she said, you gave, you gave me permission to push. So she had always been afraid to push out of her comfort zone a little. With the, with, understandably, we were all afraid of doing that. I mean, I was afraid of it in this race too. Like you don't want to, you don't want to hurt in the last you know, six miles of, a, of or whatever to six miles, ten miles, five miles. You don't want to finish a marathon feeling totally torn up. So she was always afraid of of going out too fast, but she had the ability to. And so it was really great to see her cross that finish line at three thirty six, which is way ahead of even what you know we had we had. Out for her. An eight-minute PR at age 51. It's amazing. It's amazing. She's incredible, and she's just such a wonderful, nice person with a great attitude. So it was nice to spend time with her and with our other two runners, too. So after that, um, Leslie, K. 
came in and um, and Kirsty, our other runner too, which was really nice. Kirsty is from Ohio, a, a town in Ohio that's 40 minutes away from this race. So she got to go home and stay with her parents and her parents and grandparents came to watch the race. And her parents are equally as athletic as she and her twin brother. And um, funny, interesting story, her twin brother was also Kirsty and her twin brother, this was going to be their first Boston Marathon this year, which uh, always breaks my heart for our first timers uh, that didn't get to go to Boston this year. And um, her brother, I was asking her about her brother's, um, you know, what he did for his virtual race. And so he did it with a friend last week and had run, I, I forget what she said, something pretty fast, like a 3.33, 20, 3.40, somewhere around there. And then he did it again this week on his own and ran a 3.10. So he did two within a week. And not only that, but his, their, their dad was telling me that he also... I don't remember when it was, but sometime recently he just did like seven half marathons in seven days, all under 130. Like this is just a very athletically talented and gifted family. And they do a lot of things together. They do a lot of races together, which is really cool. So it was so nice to see her and meet her family and have them there along. I saw them on each, on each loop as well. So it was really fun to see them. So it just was such a good feeling. Everybody was so nice. And Leslie, talk about what she did. So Leslie has not run a, a marathon in eight years because since before she had kids. So Leslie is also another very talented um, runner. And um, she, you know, she got out there and, and she had a really challenging training season. She had a lot going on at work. She's juggling young kids. And she, you know, had to dial her. Once Boston was put into a virtual we actually kind of scaled back training just saying like let's just finish it and just um let's or well she had she actually had been training I'm sorry for um to to for an earlier spring marathons that got canceled um and once that happened and we saw there were no races she kept trying to sign up for races and they were canceled once we saw that we thought you know what let's just dial it back and just get get it done get the distance done she really she was one of our runners who just wanted to finish what she started and she did she did great um she uh, you know, after the third lap started feeling like she was pushing a little too hard and she made the really smart decision to dial it back a little bit so she could finish steady. So she wouldn't go through 20 miles at a certain pace and then crash the last six. She went through 16 at, a, at exactly her target pace and then dialed it back just a little bit and finished and finished strong. So, um, everybody had, you know, it was just such a, it was such a great experience. And I, you know, I, I would, like I said, I started this out by saying I was so ambivalent about this race and I just wanted to get it done. And I didn't realize how much I needed this until I crossed that finish line. Um, and I just, even though it was a small race and even though we weren't running along a ton of people and it wasn't the big hoopla of a Boston or a Chicago or New York, just getting back out there again and just remembering like why we run and, and why we love it so much and the joy that it brings to us was, um, I missed you. Like, I really missed having you there. That's what I missed you too. I really missed it. It didn't feel the same without you there. Everything I would think like, Oh, like I tell Julie this or, Oh, if Julie is here. This is what we'd say. Or, Oh, Julie would have laughed at this or, you know, so it, it definitely, but it, it reminded me, um, what, what we missed. So it's, it, it's been a hard year, like such a hard year on a lot of different levels for me, especially and having this just, um, brought a little bit of myself back I felt like like really just gave that a little bit to me and, and I felt great like I just felt like on a high from having that whole experience from just the being around other people to watching our runners finish to to doing it myself like all of that everything was, was so great so um after I have to tell the little after story which was also just it's so indicative of this race and the town and Lake Latonka community, uh, the community center has a little um, cafe behind it, Duke and Lola's, this cute little coffee 
donut pastry shop and in our bags we had a coupon for a free donut after the race and I was like well I'm gonna obviously go get my free donut after the race and I went into this adorable shop and they had these boxes of beautiful donuts and I thought I'm gonna bring my kids home a box of donuts so I brought the box up and I said I'll also I said oh I have a coupon for a free one too that I'll take for my myself and she said no just take the whole box like it's Aww. free she said were you one of the runners she said we want to give all the runners free donuts like a whole box of donuts and I was like please let me pay for them like I want to buy a box and I'll take my free one but I want to buy a box and she was like nope nope we want to give all the runners a box of these beautiful donuts which was so nice of her and then there was a food truck I think it was called got hangry or I think it's called got hangry it was it was adorable and they had given us also in our race packets coupons to get a free sandwich from there like or 10 hangry bucks this race sounds unbelievable it was so great so they had this food truck so again you don't have to go and sit down somewhere you could just stand in line socially distanced from people they would prepare your food give it to you separately you could go sit down and eat it outside and I had the best I just have to describe this sandwich it was so good <laughs> it was pulled chicken barbecue with queso and um, potato chip strips on top of this sandwich and you know after races actually I don't crave sweets after races I crave like salt like I think I've mentioned this before a lot of times I'll eat like beef jerky after yeah. we after race. You know the that, beef right? jerky the beef jerky story like I just want something salty like salty protein and this was the best post-race food I have ever and they put a big pickle on top of it too wow so, and, and it was and it was we used sounds like pregnancy food, food. It, it does doesn't it but I like wanted this salty meaty food I was like oh my god that sounds so good and and it was free to us because we had these hangry bucks that we could That's use great. that the the people who worked the food truck were so lovely and nice and and so people hung out again though outside now at this point it had stopped raining it was you know it was uh, still a little it was overcast but it stopped raining so and it was muddy everywhere and everyone was like kind of trudging through the mud but um but we hung out outside a little bit ate ate our food um everyone was wearing masks as they walked around if they weren't you know they weren't eating and um and and packed up and went back the hotel had given us all a late checkout so it was just such a nice very accommodating and very very easy went back to the hotel and showered and and headed home and hit no traffic on the way back and it was just a really all-around wonderful great experience it's, it's like filled my soul I feel like for at least a few months until we can get back to I feel it research. I feel I feel your energy and I feel so incredibly happy for you I, I feel it and you deserve every bit of it and thank you I'm just I'm so thrilled for you I have one follow-up question yes. um and that is not specifically about the race but more about leading up to the race you mentioned your training was for you pretty minimal but like we've talked about before, it's so much better to be undertrained for something than overtrained. Talk to me about, you know, you're specific in your pacing, and we talked about how you ran about a 745 pace. And um, what paces were you running over the summer when you did run? And, and I, I, no, I just, this is a, this is a good question. question. No, I this wanna... is a great question. I will gladly pull out my Garmin and show you that very rarely did I run sub nine minute miles in a, in a run. Very rarely. My last runs before I went up there earlier last week were like, I want to say 9.15, 9.20 average. And I couldn't have pushed faster. I, want, I, I even thought like, well, let me, I should try something like 7.45. I couldn't do it. Like it just, it was humid also here last week. Like I, I told myself it was the humidity, but I did, I have done very few runs that averaged under 8.50 maybe. Like I, I would say everything's pretty much between 8.50 and 9.10 is probably the range. So um, yeah, I've done, other than that little 5k that I did in the neighborhood where I ran faster, 
I have done pretty much nothing. It's been mileage and it's been interesting. I, I kind of shifted my mileage from doing long runs and then, you know, do, I, I still did, I wouldn't say high mileage, but I just did a decent mileage, but I spread it out throughout the week where I do maybe two runs that were like 11 to 13 miles or maybe 15 or 16 one day. And then some runs that were seven to eight versus doing six and then 20, you know what I'm saying? Like I kind of shifted it to a more of an even. You ran less days, more volume on those days at a slower no, pace. I ran more days. Oh, you did? I ran more days, even like before I might run, especially because I was teaching more cycling classes. I would run four or five days a week. Got one it. would be like a 20, one would be like a eight, one would be a six, one would be, and it would be mostly weighted toward as much as we don't like to do that, but it would be more way of, you know, just to get my long runs in. This time I spread it out more where I might do like a 15, an 11, a nine, a six, and a, and another six. So it was like maybe five days or six days more. A lot of times it was six days a week during pandemic, just because I wasn't teaching classes and I wasn't doing anything else. So, um, I, I think I spread the mileage out more than, than, than weighted it towards the weekend. So I, the mileage was still lower than, than I would have done, but it was, I definitely didn't have a normal, a normal cycle. I would do 20 mile train you know several 20 mile three or four maybe even five depending on how much time I had 20 mile training runs I did nothing even close to that so um look you know was it it worked for me it got me through this race but yes the paces were super super you know I I just try to ignore my I keep telling myself what we tell our runners like it doesn't your long runs don't matter so I just really focused and and that's what I needed this summer like I, I I, I just couldn't take the pressure of, of workouts or speed. And, you know, I'm never like that. And what was interesting to me was to see how not racing affected my marathon. Because usually in a build-up to a marathon, my speed work is all races. So I'll do uh, Annapolis 10-miler. I'll do a 5K. I'll do a 10K. I'll do a half marathon. That's a race, and that's a harder effort. And I haven't done that in since February. That was the last time I raced was in February. So I didn't know how that – I kept thinking, like, my muscles must have atrophied. <laughs> like, they don't know how to run fast anymore because I have not even run any fast miles. But that's a, that's a really good question. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's something also that – we talk about this a lot, race magic. And when you are in a race environment, you put your bib on, um, something happens. So right. if your fitness has been built up and you're, you're trained for that, right? Yeah. Definitely. Oh, for sure. I could not have run that on my own anywhere. There's a motivation that just, it's hard to replicate in a virtual setting. So for, for those who ran a virtual race, um, recognizing that while your effort may have felt just as hard, your your time or what the paces you're running you it it logically feels harder because yeah. you aren't in that true race environment and it's hard to replicate that yeah, as much I, as I you want, try yeah I think that so many people are listening who've done their virtual on their own need to understand like I never could have done the pace that I did on my own here I, I just couldn't have first of all it's like my normal loop like I think it's just you need a change of scenery first of all I I think um, as, as much as you can say about being familiar with, with your own loop. But, um, but I could never have run that pace. I told you, like, I would have been happy with four hours if I was running it on my own. So I know we have some runners, um, one of our runners, Caitlin, who 
had a race all planned out to go to in Pennsylvania, the Chasing the Unicorn race, and three days before the race, it got canceled. The park permits got pulled. Not the fault of the race director or anything. They got pulled, and she had to go do that race by herself on her own. And and I told her, I said she clear, she definitely would have been able to run faster if that was a, if there were other people out, and it was actually even just the mentality of like even if it's like my race wasn't a lot of people, I couldn't see other runners for most of the time. Just the mentality of being in the race. So I think for anyone who's listening who's done their virtual and just went out and ran it on their own, and even if you pushed on your own, it is so hard. There is definitely something. To be said about race day magic even if it's a smaller race and and also would just say that after seeing the race this weekend i i think this is the way we're headed for the near future for the foreseeable no <laughs> for the foreseeable future this is just the, the way i think races are going to have to operate and i think it's possible it certainly is possible i actually was going to mention this to you but i just got an email from uh, one of our local race organizations racine multi-sports mm-hmm. and i'm si- i was signed up for a duathlon in april that got canceled but they have the, they had moved it to october and that race is still on and they've got the clearance to go ahead and they have procedures in place and look could it still get canceled if things change between now and october sure but they they are they are coming up with procedures to to make sure we can do this safely and i think that's going to be the way we the way that the, the racing looks and it's possible yeah as yeah. long as as long as the communities support it right. which and you know the, the big factor in the race that you did was the community supported yes. it the yeah. um permitting was was available possible and it, it did not upset anyone to have that race in fact they, they were enjoying it right and yeah. they, because there were there were precautions taken and that's yeah. i think as racers we're going to have to accept that the races are not going to be big that we're not going to start in a mass start that you're going to have to start in a time trial start you're going to have to be cognizant so um and and you can talk a little too about uh you, you were involved as a volunteer here for our local runners that yes had a little bit of an unofficial course but same type of thing same type of procedures that were put in place to keep people distanced and safe so why don't you yeah you got that i haven't gotten to hear a lot about it so last weekend and this weekend we had some runners um as well as runner friends who ran their virtual boston marathons and um fortunately i was able to attend a, a couple of those efforts so last weekend um our, one of our runners mimi and conroy who is a past guest on our podcast um who's uh, both of them are amazing runners. They decided to do their virtual in a local um, area, Lake Needwood, where we live. And they had a lot of supporters. There was a finish line banner that they created and um, a water support stop. I won't go as far as to say a full water stop, but support support available for them and places for them to put their water bottles in a looped course that allowed them to to do that and they did great and they decided to run it at a conversational pace but it was so much fun for me to for the first time in months to get out there and support them and cheer someone on and uh they were both hilarious because they're like I feel like I'm running with you when I do my solo runs (laughs) because we run with your podcast and now you're you're running right so they both did amazing and I just really respected both of them so much for getting out there and planning such a thoughtful race and it was my first time and many of the volunteers and their friends to support them to actually see people running and supporting them and everyone wore masks and it, it was wonderful so Take two was this weekend where our friends Noam Neusner and Dan DeFonso designed a course in the same area, Lake Needwood. It was a loop course out and back, out and back rather, where runners were able to pass two water stops several times. They were they had access to their water and ice and 
um, anything they needed. As they brought their own, because they could bring their own coolers to they, leave, right? We brought, we brought coolers brought and ice, and they brought all of their supplies. Okay. And um, Rachel Miller and I set up some, uh, like a little medical area, which wasn't needed, thankfully. Rachel was the one and only medical director. <laughs> and there were several of us who signed up for volunteer slots. So they did a great job of um, not only ensuring that the runners were um, starting staggered, but also that the volunteers were in slots. So there weren't bunches of volunteers, not socially distanced. Everyone brought masks. Um, the runners, uh, there were, I believe, uh, I want to say about 20 runners. And they had it each day too, right? Saturday and Sunday, did they do? Most people did it Saturday. I think only two runners did it oh, Sunday, okay. maybe three. But I believe there were about 20 on Saturday. And it was a beautiful day. Everyone ran their race. And most people were not racing it. Some people ran like a harder effort. But I think everyone was kind of, their plan was to just finish finish and, and enjoy themselves and the winner was Bernard Kelly or Beanie and um, Dan DeFonso arranged for the local news to come out and do some coverage so if you were the spokesperson I thought very I good was re- <laughs> reluctantly I was like I I don't want to speak for everyone but Dan was actually out running so um, he, he asked me to do that and it, it was great and I think the fanfare and recognizing that most of the people there, we were all supposed to be together and celebrating Boston and to be able to come together after so many months of not right. seeing well, each other. We normally run together a lot and we normally see a lot of these people at races. Yes, it was great. And we really kind of like celebrated at the end, just as we would at Fire and Ice in Boston. Aww. It was really great. And I just want to give a shout out to everyone. I'm so proud of all of the runners out there. I chose not to do a virtual Boston marathon. It just wasn't my thing. We talked about it, but having the opportunity to go out and support all of them. So I just want to give a personal shout out to everyone who ran and especially to Dan and Noam for organizing a place for all of us to volunteer and support everyone who ran. And thank you for that experience. I'm so proud of each and every one of you and so impressed by you. So it was great. The pictures. I, I saw them after I got up to, um, Pittsburgh and uh, it just looked like such a fun I, I, I was sad that I missed it and it doesn't surprise me because that group is always fun when they get together they make they put the fun in, in running and uh, it looked like people in costumes and it, it was looked, a lot of fun it looked like so much fun and if you're gonna run it you might as well have fun with it and enjoy it and if, you know we're all in this weird position of running it virtually like run it and have fun with it and I've, I've loved seeing stories of what people have done not even here locally but just through the BAA newsletter you know the guy who ran it in his hotel room uh you know they're one of the runners on our running team ran it is in I don't know where she is like in Alaska or somewhere like you know these amazing trips they, they have actually gone on trips to do it or traveled somewhere um to do it or you know or loops where they're seeing their family and friends or, or exploring a new trail that, you know, Karen Ryan, I know, did a beautiful trail that's up north of here. Um, so I, I think... In Ken Traumatory, prior oh, podcast guest, he did his in the middle of the night. That is he, amazing. He yes. toured the brew the the breweries around his house in Brookville, Starting Maryland. Midnight, right? That's or? right. And Ken has young kids, and, and I... I very much believe there was probably a twofold reason he did it at night and probably one was that he just didn't want to disrupt all the things going on in the family because he was there volunteering as well but number two was he he wasn't quite sure what his race would look like his knee was bothering him he did it in the dark he did it in the dark (laughs) he could have some privacy he really didn't want people waiting for him and he said that there were a couple of moments that were really for him and I 
I, I sometimes sometimes I believe this, sometimes I don't, but in this case, I believe it. There are no coincidences. And he had a situation where he was uh, running the first few miles and he had our podcast in where we interviewed Eric Melby. And at one point he said he was around mile six and we said to Eric, your race, your rules. And he said that was like the point where he kind of looked out and said, yeah, my race, my rules. And then there was another point in his race. He described, it was really heartfelt. He always wears on his shoe, um, his, um, dad who passed away his his uh, dog tags which um his dad was always proud of his running and um I believe his dad's name was Charlie and he said um a song that reminds him of his dad was Thunderstruck and that came on and that wasn't on his playlist it was like a random shuffle oh my gosh so um he believed like all of his races that his dad was with him so stories like that really choked me up and and in spite of all of this not being the Boston Marathon in true runner fashion I think all of these runners in the running community are so incredible. They made, including you, you made lemonade out of lemons in every way. And we are so proud of, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud of all of our runners. We've been featuring each of them on our page throughout the week, on our Facebook page and on our Instagram account. So for those who haven't seen, go back and check out um, some of their stories and what people have done um, during the period um, in which you can run the Boston Marathon. And um, that period ends today. Today would have been um, the Boston Marathon in September. Today is September 14th, and today is the last day of the window. And on the last day, one of um, our recent podcast guests, um, Rod Vera, he did his run where he ended at Suburban Hospital, the very hospital that treated him when he had his heart attack. That he started his whole journey. Yes. Yeah, so look look at these stories, like you said, making lemonade out of lemons and finding like a meaningful way to do this is as much as it's been such a bummer to not be up in in Boston and not have our typical experience. When one door closes, another door opens and we've had these opportunities to have these really meaningful and, and, and interesting experiences and hopefully at some point, we will be back. In, we will be back. In we will be back. We will be back. You know, we don't know if it's going to be next year, but we will be back. And we'll have a whole new appreciation, but we'll have had this experience. Like I said, you know, we had the hot Boston. We had the, the rainy Boston. We had the, the bombing Boston, which was super sad. We've Every year, we always have something memorable about Boston. And this was the year that Boston wasn't in Boston, that we had to make Boston for our The class. not Boston. The not Boston. <laughs> or the not sob. Okay, so let's just say, the race that I did was the N-O-T-S-O-B, not sob, uh, Boston fever reliever. And for so long, I just kept thinking, not so Boston, like not, not sob, or not, other. I was trying to figure out what the acronym was, what is not sob? Not sob is Boston backwards. <laughs> so, it's pretty apropos for 2020. So I do think officially we should call 2020 the not Boston, the hot Boston, the not Boston. I think this is the not Boston. The not Boston. The not Boston, but it was okay. It was still okay. We're all going to be okay. And um, I I think it's it's a good opportunity for us to step back and reexamine and figure out what makes us happy and realize that the running does so much more for us. Uh, and, and you don't need to be in a particular place at a particular time on a particular day to do it. It's just, um, it's what it brings to us. And you can find that almost anywhere. Well said, Lisa. So on that note, we're going to wrap up for today. Um, congratulations to all of our listeners who completed your virtual Boston Marathon. And happy belated birthday to Julie. Oh, <laughs> I don't thank think you. We've heard it since your birthday. <laughs> 
yeah, pandemic birthdays. Okay. But we have to, can I tell the story really quickly? Yeah, yeah. So I was, I, I had a gift for you in my car during the day and I didn't get a chance to get to your house. And I finally got a chance after Kira's soccer practice in the afternoon. And, but first my, I ran out of gas and I said, well, let me go get gas near Julie's house, right? So we pull into the gas pump and I start pumping my gas and I look on the other side of the gas pump and I see your car <laughs> and I'm like, Julie's in the gas station too. And I scared your husband, Darren, because I popped around the gas, gas tank and I was like, around the gas pump and I'm like, Hello! Like, oh my God, where'd you come from? But it just happened to be that I was on my way to your house and we ran into each other at the gas station. So I had to give you your birthday gift there, which I think is just so apropos. Of our yeah, we meet up at the gas station. Of course. Station. Like, you know, of course. Like, you know, we both were on zero on our things. Yes, on, we were on zero. zero. I literally was on zero. I was like, are we going to run out of gas? I'm like, ah, don't worry. We got a few more. <laughs> that would be me. That is my yeah, life for sure. Right. So it just was funny. So that I thought it was a funny story. Well, thank you. And I, I did actually have a great pandemic birthday because I got to do my my big flex of the summer water ski again. Uh, drove to the Chesapeake Bay and um, spent uh, several hours on a boat water skiing on my birthday thanks to a good friend. So it was a great day and that's something I wouldn't have learned but for COVID. So, you know, silver lining. Silver lining. So um, thanks everyone for listening to our Boston Marathon series and we will continue podcasting and this though concludes season three of our Boston Marathon podcast and we will be back very shortly. We just um, need to come up with our next theme. We need to go through recovery. Theme. Yeah. We need a little recovery. A little theme. taper and, and then uh, recovery and some more fun guests. Yeah. So thank you to everyone who's listened and if we could just give you a quick uh, just a quick request and that is if you haven't already please subscribe share and please review we have we are so grateful for all of your reviews it really makes a huge difference and allows others to find us and thank you to all of you who've reached out with your feedback we're really really happy to be able to provide something for you to listen to during the pandemic and it's it's really filled us up as well so Bye, Lisa. Bye, Julie. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.